We thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Move, touch every heart, touch every life. Increase us. Increase us in every way. We thank you for that. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We magnify you for everything that you'll do in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty, matchless, and majestic name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? As Tasha said, it's a great day to be alive, a great day to uh, be walking with God. It's a great day to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Amen? Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Once again, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us on live stream. We want to welcome our Meeker campus joining us today. Um, praise the Lord. I believe uh, tremendous things are happening. Just want to, uh, again, call your attention to uh, the month of August as we're entering into that next week. There's many, many things that'll take place. Uh, I believe God is, you know, sometimes he just sets up some time for us. And uh, it's going to be a great time, starting with Shekinah Glory and and uh, Todd White and Mark Hankins, and uh, you don't want to miss it. You want to bring people, all of these have an evangelistic uh, part to their ministry, uh, moving of the Spirit and the Word, all aspects of that. And so invite people to come. It's going to be awesome. Changing some schedule things, so be aware of that. Um, And again, one service. I know it looks like there's a lot of empty chairs now, but one service, it'll probably be a a, a pretty full service. So you'll want to get here early, drop your kids off, and um, praise the Lord. We're going to have a great time. Uh, Hallelujah. So, you know, we had, we had, you know, this has happened before where uh, just the opportunities that came in connection. And so I remember we had a summer when Rick Renner was here, John Bevere was here, the Hagans came and, and did a faith crusade. And it seemed like a lot, but it was something for a period of time that God poured into us so that we could be further equipped. And so, you know, I told people, you know, daily we have meat and potatoes, but sometimes you like to go out and eat and uh, get some special things. And so, Uh, We have meat and potatoes, but uh, God's given us some gourmet stuff here in August. You don't want to miss out on it. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And God has created divine. uh, How many of you believe in divine appointments? Believe in divine appointments. About a third of you believe in divine appointments. Well, you know, it's it's really easy to walk with God when you believe that he's setting up some things. He's scheduling some things. So I believe in divine appointments. So if God set these appointments up, then we don't want to miss them. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to uh, Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. We're just going to jump in here. And uh, uh, we started a series two weeks ago. Uh, Just as I was sitting in my office, uh, I was thinking (laughs) and meditating on the word. And and, uh, that it just kept coming to me, you know, uh, as I was looking at these things, pondering these things, meditating on these things, that many people will start a phrase, they will start a conversation, they will, uh, you know, begin and they'll say, well, now I was thinking. And our thought life is so important. Many times we don't give it the, 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 uh, uh, attention that is really due our thought life. We let thoughts come and go, Right? We grab thoughts that we shouldn't grab. We vocalize 
thoughts that we probably shouldn't vocalize. We vocalize thoughts that we should and really thoughts that we should uh, embrace and have. We should vocalize uh, when we understand faith and the power of it. Right? And so sometimes, you know, when we, we listen to people who are very, uh, they're, they're watching what they're saying, you know, we can all of a sudden think, well, you know, what's wrong with me? I don't ever have thoughts. But I remember when Jesse Duplantis was here, he said, you know what? Uh, and he's a very positive person. He said, it's not that I don't ever have negative thoughts, but I've learned not to give voice to them because as long as they're in my thoughts and I capture them, they, they have no power. But the moment I give voice to them, uh, they begin to have power, uh, not only out here, but they begin to have power over me because I hear myself say those things. And so when, when we get to that point of saying, I was thinking, then we have to start uh, uh, processing what was I thinking, how was I thinking about that, in what line was I thinking for our thoughts to be productive. Otherwise, they can be very destructive. Right, And so not giving thought to that, we have all kinds of thoughts. We, we move in different directions because of our thoughts, how we process those thoughts and what light or what mindset we have that we process those thoughts. So many things have happened to form our mindsets, the, the things that we set our mind on the most. And even new information going through an old mindset really just starts to get confusing starts to get confusing. So Isaiah, the 26th chapter, uh, the third verse, he says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Somebody say, my mind needs to be stayed on him. Say it again, my mind needs to be stayed on him. It says, because you, he trusts you, trust in the Lord forever, for Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Say, so he's my strength. So the Amplified Classic says it like this, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. Somebody say perfect and constant. Perfect and constant. Glory to God. Perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character is stayed on you because he commits himself to you. Because he commits himself. Somebody say commits. All right, I just have to <laughs> capture my thought. <laughs> Commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. So trust in the Lord, commit yourself to him, lean on him, hope confidently in him forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting, or yeah, is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. Man, he says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Now, again, we think about that. I go to work. How do I keep my mind on him all the time? Well, it's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. It's a process of thinking. So listen to this just to, to I mean, hopefully encourage us because, you know, again, the importance of our mind, our mindsets, it says if we could get our mindset, our primary mindset to be on him, he will guard and keep us in perfect 
peace. That word peace is shalom. Shalom, uh, you know, we just think, well, shalom, that's a Jewish word, but they used to really greet each other with this word. They would start with shalom, which would mean peace be with you. And that that sounds good, you know, in our culture, it sounds like that would be awesome. Peace be with you. Peace, brother. Peace, love, John Denver. Cool. Uh, uh, But really, it goes so much beyond just peace, man, because Jesus said this, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not like the world gives peace. It's a supernatural peace. It's an all-inclusive peace. And when we understand that God will keep us in this perfect peace, listen to this word. Many of you know it. This word peace, shalom, it means completeness, soundness, welfare. It means safety. Again, soundness of mind and body. It means welfare, health, prosperity. It means tranquility. It means friendship. It means contentment. It was a full word that was describing when you greeted somebody that because you have peace with God, because you know that we have a covenant with God, our prosperity, our health, our contentment, our well-being, our soundness is all wrapped up in this peace that we have with God. And he said, when you keep your mind on this covenant that you have with me, I will guard you and keep you in perfect peace. Say, why why do I want to get my mindset right? How many of you would like to be in perfect peace? (laughs) Come on, when you think about it. But now while we're talking about this, some of you are going, great, great, great. Can we get on? Why, why would you do that? Why would, why would we hear perfect peace, something that God wants us to have, something that the blood of Jesus was poured out for? And just go, okay, what's next? Because we have a mindset. Yeah, that sounds good, but really, perfect peace, pastor? Really? Perfect peace? I don't think you know where I've been. Perfect peace seems impossible. And so already you're taking this truth of the goodness of God, and you start to process it through a different mindset, which starts to hinder what God is saying to you. And see, if you go through that mindset and say, well, yeah, great, it says that, it's kind of like a fairy tale, you don't know where I've been, perfect peace, unattainable, whatever, then all of a sudden now your opinion of the goodness of God starts to be tainted because I don't necessarily believe in perfect peace So when I have turmoil, why isn't God working in me? But I got more attention on the turmoil and what's happened to me and how I can't be in peace than on him who provides perfect peace. So a lot of things have been set up through our life, through things that have happened for a purpose of the enemy to get our mind set on certain things that have happened to limit how we understand the goodness of God. But if we can make adjustments, 
if we can begin to see how we can break out by the plan of God, break out by the Spirit of God, then we will begin to see what God has in a greater measure. Colossians 3 uh, verse 1 says, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He said, there's something that's going on, a transformation of life. So if you know that you were raised with Christ, why would you keep looking back to how things were when you were under sin and setting your mind on all the basic things of the world and have your mind set like that? Why not set your attention on things above? Why not set your attention on the things that provide? Jesus said it like this, you have needs in your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll put on. He said, even the sinner has to concentrate on all of those things. But he said, if you set your mind on God and the bigness of his creation and his care for his creation, you are number one in his creation. So if he'll take care of the birds that fly in the air, if he'll take care of the flowers of the field, what in the world makes you think he won't take care of you? Well, we could go back and say, well, there's a number of things that make me think he won't take care of me. But why are those things? What makes you think he won't take care of you is you've developed a mindset that limits that. So he said, now seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added, or all of these things that you have need of are found in the knowledge of his kingdom and his righteousness. of his kingdom and his righteousness. So Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if we expand around that, it says, watch out. He said, don't go eat the delicacies of a stingy person. Why? Because when you're done, you'll pretty much want to vomit it up. What's he saying? He's saying a stingy person may ask you to come over and eat at his house. But when you do, he's going to be watching how much you eat and how much it's costing him. And if you eat too much, he wished you wouldn't come. His motivation for you coming is for self. But he's always, he's watching everything, and by the time you get done, and the consternation that it causes, you'll just want to give it back. He says, because even though he's trying to have you over, the mindset of this is costing me, not blessing me, will create a big problem in that relationship. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So a stingy person, even though he asks you to come and eat, he's counting every single piece of bread. Could I have another helping? Oh my gosh. You know, this, this summer it would have been, could I have some eggs? Are you kidding? (laughs) Eggs. So he said, there's, we're looking at the outside many times and say, well, I did something nice, but inside we're in turmoil for doing something nice because our thought, our mindset about that was different. 
so as we began to share, you know, uh, last week, it says that we, you know, we, we can either be conformed to the world or we can be transformed. How are we transformed? By renewing or renovating our mind. There's that place. And so there's two types of mindsets. Uh, really, psychologists, uh, psychologists uh, are, really get set on two, two types of mindsets. It expands beyond that, but a fixed mindset and, and a um, growth mindset. And so the fixed mindset is really based on this. It's based on, you know, what my ability, what my education, what my background, where I was, really is how my life is formed, and that's the way that it is. A growth mindset says, that, you know what, no matter where I came from, what, what things are, are there, I could grow. I could learn more. I could step out more. I could grow more, right? And so uh, that's very simply put. You can read about it a little bit. But the interesting part is when you get to a fixed mindset, People with a fixed mindset are more apt to hold a grudge. They're more apt to be controlling. Right? So stop for a minute. You can hear it in the room. Everybody's thinking of people they know with a fixed mindset, which means you probably have one. And why is that? Why is that? Because all of a sudden, everything fits within my limitations. If this is the education that I have, even if I say, I'm going to study this, it's for the fact that I'm going to look better and I can control my situation. Anything, it comes out of that. So if I fail and I'm a fixed mindset, uh, uh, it can't be me that failed. This is all, I have to protect all this. So I start reasoning, I start blaming, I start pointing the finger because everything is in this realm. I'm limited and so if I can keep it within my small fear of my limitations, I can control it. If I can, it gets outside of that. And somebody made me break out of that. Somebody made me feel that way. Somebody did something to me. Oh, I'm a, uh, when you fail, uh, a fixed mindset says, if I fail, then I'm a failure. But a growth mindset says we failed. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. on. Things didn't work out in that relationship. Let's learn from it. It was hurtful, but let's learn from it and let's move on. There's always a place that we can learn and that we can grow from it. Right? It's very interesting. But when we get into the, the, the Word of God and we begin to explore that and understand that, we begin to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, Paul was dealing with some situations. He said that though we're in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds taking captive every thought, every imagination in disobedience to Christ, right? So the kingdom of God, the understanding of God is really a growth mindset that allows us to flourish within our creator. And so Paul is even saying here, they're talking about Paul, they're talking about, he said they're, they're, they're you know, when he, he would come to them, he would be very meek and he would be very humble. He wouldn't really come in boldly and address the issues, but when he would go away and write to them, he was super bold. And so they started talking about his stature and how, how he was, and he said, I'm hoping to come and be bold to you. 
But you're talking about me and my flesh, and that's what Paul always got into, is whatever the comparison of the flesh. He said, but though I'm in the flesh, our warfare, what we're dealing with, you looking at me, me looking, is not according to the flesh. We should get in the spirit. We should filter everything through the obedience of what Christ has done for us. So if we go back to the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, everything that in them is, he created man and he put them there. And he said, listen, I've given you this. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, tend the garden, make it produce for you. Big deal. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So their mindset is, wow, look at everything that God created. But the enemy brings them into what? He, he talks to him. He says, listen, that's not a growth mindset. That's a, a fixed deal. God doesn't go ahead and eat of this tree. What did God say about this, this tree? He said, don't eat it or touch it lest you die. And he said, you won't die. In fact, look at it. And he made them think that they were stepping out into something bigger and they were going to grow because they could be like God. But really it was limiting because they didn't filter it through the obedience of Christ. It was like the enemy offering a shortcut to them and say, look at this, you can be like God. In this tree, you can see where you could cut short. You wouldn't have to tend the garden. You wouldn't have to you know, work for it. You wouldn't have to take dominion. Look at it, it's all within the tree. Shortcut, but it was disobedience to God. They didn't filter it through obedience to Christ. And they decided, wow, this is how I'll grow. I'll grow out of disobedience to God. I'll become like God. But no, they limited themselves and became subject to the lie. But God said, look at the vast expanse of what I've created for you. See, what, what your mindset changed into this is limitless, you started to see as limiting, and you viewed what limits you through disobedience as if it was going to expand you. So the importance of bringing everything through the obedience of Christ is I can get an idea that this will make me something sooner than following the way of God. This will make me something about me, and it's still protecting me, my abilities, my background, and I begin set in, this will be better for me. But God wants to expand our capacity. And so again, just to, to, to bring us back to this, what is a mindset? A mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. It's a set of beliefs of how you make sense of the world and yourself. So everybody in here has some mindsets that help you process when things happen. This is why it happened to me, and this is what the world looks like. And sometimes that's not right. Sometimes it's so self-defeating that we're always on the defensive. We get a mindset of something that's happened to us, what people have done to us, and now we look around that anybody who approaches us, we have a mindset, they're here to hurt me. Or, wow, they'll offer me a shortcut. Looks good for me. It's a set of beliefs. And because of that, these mindsets influence how we think, feel, and believe in any given situation. It means that what you believe about yourself impacts your success or failure. What you believe about yourself. 
Sometimes we don't want to get too much into what we believe about ourselves. Who are you? We know through teaching who we are in Christ, but have we let that become a mindset who we are in Christ? And so through all of this, you know, there's different aspects. There's, there's people who have certain marriage mindsets. Certain marriage mindsets. And because of that, divorce in our nation runs a little over 50%. We go into marriage with a specific mindset. I'm going to be a, a little bit transparent, but I try to be cautious here. Get myself in some trouble. But Tasha and I, other than believing that we were called of God, and uh, God brought us together ultimately to team work for that call. We had that mindset concerning ministry. But my upbringing was a lot different than hers. My view and example of marriage was different than hers. We entered into our marriage, even though we had talked about things, you know, the revelation of it, we entered into marriage with two totally different mindsets of marriage. My mindset was really, wow, this is going to be awesome. This will be like, you know, my mom and dad, you know, there's some things that I could see weren't right, but we could probably change those and this is how it is. She came from a broken home where there was many different aspects of that and her idea of how that would work, you know, was a lot different. And those things can still come in and hinder us today. This is how you should be responding to me. Well, why should I be responding to you that way? Because this is how I see it. This is what protects me. This is what makes me feel good. And you need to align with that if we're going to be happy. And the other person says, well, wait a minute. Couldn't we grow and meld together? No, this is how I see it. And sometimes, really, we go into marriage just thinking... That other person's going to serve me and make me feel good all the days of my life. And when they don't, I need to move on to something that does. And that's a marriage mindset that they have that doesn't work very well. But in understanding that we have different thoughts about what marriage should be like, if we stayed that way, there would be pretty much constant friction. So to have to go, you know, we, we've read lots of material I can't say what she does. I just believe this. Uh, uh, but I know that when I read material, then I go and I seek God and say, what, what is going on here? And I'm pretty, you know, we've shared this. I'm pretty honest with him about how I feel about it and what my mindset is. And I use scripture to establish that. That's why the Word and the Spirit are very important. Because I've got Word to substantiate that I'm right, my view of marriage is right, and if she could just come over to that, life would be wonderful. But even as I put that before him, he begins to show me in the very Word that I'm presenting to him, a relationship with him. And how my mindset differs from how I, who am to be submitted to him, 
relate to him and how much different that is than how I expect her to relate to me. And then there's that, okay, could we go to another scripture? But he's so gracious to work on my mindset with the truth. With the truth. Why? Because he ordained marriage and he wants us to have a good one. Okay, I can tell by your faces this is a little intense, so we'll, we'll keep moving. If you're leading, if you're in any area of leadership, you have a leadership mindset. You have family mindsets, right? You have money mindsets. You have church mindsets, right? There's all kinds of things that we have our mind set on the way we think it should be. And if it's a fixed mindset, then if it's not going the way we want it to, we're going to protect it, we're going to battle about it, we're going to uh, struggle with it. But if we let God open it up, we'll begin to see things differently. And so Jesus continually lived by a kingdom mindset. He lived by a kingdom mindset. And some people are just going, yes, I I was hoping when he would get to kingdom instead of just church. But a lot of people's kingdom mindset today, they think we're off of that. We're on to kingdom. But their kingdom mindset is filtered through church hurts, through all those things, and they're not getting the right idea of the kingdom. Jesus' kingdom mindset is he started to bring everything. If you start to study it, in Matthew alone, there's like some, I think there's 50 references in some degree to the kingdom of God is like. Everything Jesus saw when he taught, he's saying the kingdom of God is like this. He says, listen, if you go to an unjust judge and keep petitioning him, he will grant you your petition. God is not an unjust judge. So in the kingdom, with a righteous judge, how much do you think constant petition will cause him to open his heart to you? Because you see the kingdom of the world like this as a labor, as a petition, but the kingdom of God, I can even relate that over to the kingdom of God and make you understand even more. The kingdom of God is like little children whose faith just come to him and believe. Everything he saw, the kingdom of God is like a farmer planting seed. He was relating everything about their life and saying, if you could get a mindset of the kingdom where God reigns and God is good and where God is coming from, you begin to move everything in life through an understanding of how his kingdom works. Then you really have an understanding that his kingdom come, his will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Instead of saying, that would be great, but if his kingdom come and his will be done, we might be in church 24 hours a day. That's what somebody told me. Oh my God. And immediately his kingdom coming and revival gets stopped by a mindset of what it might cost me. Instead of, man, 
if I could plant in this world understanding the kingdom, I'd never get weary in well-doing because I know I'll reap because that's what the kingdom of God is like, sowing and reaping. If I understand the kingdom of God, it'll never be hard for me to love and to forgive ever again. Sowing and reaping went over better than forgiveness. <laughs> Which leads me to this. Turn over to Matthew chapter 22. If we're going to have a kingdom mindset, then we are going to have to develop a mindset concerning love. A mindset concerning love. Remember, she said last week, you know, to, to break that fixed mindset, you're going to have to enjoy the journey. You're going to have to incorporate yet. God's not finished with me yet. There's things yet to be done, yet to be uh, experienced. You're going to have to incorporate that. You're going to have to pay attention. We're all going to have to pay attention to our thoughts and our words and then you're going to have to take on the challenge. Take on the challenge. So there's some things that we'll say that you'll go, yep, my mindset won't let me move. Just take on a challenge to break loose, to break out. It'll cause you to see the world around you differently. It'll cause you to see your family differently. It'll cause you to unlock potential that's been sitting there dormant that you know is there, you've been longing to break out in, but because your mindset goes a certain direction, it begins to limit you and frustrate you. And that frustration usually in that mindset begins to go out towards other people in offense, in unforgiveness, in anger, in blame. And it begins to bind us, and God wants to set us free. Again, the world will begin to tell us, you know, that love, love is really weak and, and that's what got you into trouble is you loved people, you trusted people, but really that's not what got you in trouble. If you went in thinking everybody's trustworthy, uh, so I should give them some level of trust, you, you just were mistaken. Again, this mindset and understanding love just doesn't mean that you're incredibly vulnerable to everybody. Love is aggressive. Love knows exactly what it's doing. When Jesus said, if you love somebody, you turn the other cheek, you didn't just get slapped around. You were in control. Right? We're getting slapped on the other cheek and we're complaining about it, which means somebody just slapped you. You weren't walking in love. They slapped you and then they slapped you again. And then we're mad and going, I love people, and I turn the other cheek. And it's... No, you didn't. You just got slapped. But if he slaps me, and I said, I know you just slapped me, but I'm going to let you slap me again. He's either going to do that because he hates me, and something's going to happen, or he's going to hold off slapping me because I just took control of the situation. And not fighting against him, but saying, I know exactly what I'm doing. You can slap me. An evangelist was birthed 
I think in the late 60s, it might have been early 70s, sorry, I didn't research this, <laughs> this one, the date. But when David Wilkerson stood with a switchblade in his face and Nikki Cruz saying, Preacher, I'll cut you into little pieces and I'll intimidate you. And David Wilkerson said, Nikki, you can cut me into a million pieces and every single piece will tell you God loves you. And Nikki Cruz's heart broke. And an evangelist was birthed that day. That instead of killing somebody, a man that was willing to turn the other cheek, not be run over, not be subject to just wickedness, but knew exactly what he was doing in loving him. Love is powerful. The devil would like you to make it think it's weak. When you love, you'll get run over. But love took Jesus to the cross, raised him from the dead. The mindset of love will cause us to understand God in a greater measure, which will set our mind on him, which will bring us into perfect peace. So Jesus says this. All right, I got to get moving. All right, praise the Lord. Jesus said, actually, I want to go something very, uh, Romans chapter 8 real quick. Turn there, sorry. You, know, you probably don't, do you have this one? Maybe not. Romans 8, 34, 31, it says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? He said, listen, I get it. There's people who are going to bring condemnation. There's going to be people who bring a charge against you. They're all following with the accuser in that thing. But do you understand that God gave Jesus, God sent Jesus to justify you. In other words, who, who by condemnation, who by uh, uh, bringing a charge against you, who by their own look of judgment could separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Well, anybody, if you don't have a love mindset and know how much God loves you. Paul is basically saying a true love mindset which first begins to understand how much God loves me. And since he's for me, who could be against me? Since he sent Jesus to die on the cross and shed his blood for me, how would he not with him freely give me everything? When tragedy happens, when condemnation comes against my life, when the accuser comes to me through the form of people, am I going to fall apart? Am I going to get angry? Am I going to get bitter? Am I going to defend myself? Am I going to go into and say, God, why is all this happening? God, why have you abandoned me? Or am I going to say, listen, I know how much you love me, and I know who the accuser is, and I know what he's trying to do. And I know what he's trying to bring against me, but it won't separate me from you, for you are my only hope, and you made a way for me to be joined with you. And you knew the enemy would come like this. You knew he would come through people. You knew he would come through accusation. You knew he would come through condemnation. 
But my mind is not on those things. My mind is on you and how much you love me to set me free from all of those things. And he's ever living to make intercession. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How are we more than conquerors? That's good. I'm more than a conqueror. But how? Because I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Height, depth, any other created thing. Nothing, nothing, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, I'm more than a conqueror through the persecution, through the imprisonment, through the mocking. I'm more than a conqueror. How? I have a mind set on how much God loves me in Christ Jesus and that I'll forever be joined to him through his love. It's a mindset that helps him overcome, conquer, and endure to fulfill his call. So it goes beyond. We first of all, like Paul, have to have a mindset of how much God loves us. And then Jesus says this. They ask him, what's the first commandment? You know this. Matthew 22, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first commandment. And second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law. In other words, everything that God said, this is my way of doing things, to love me, to put no other God before me, to serve me, to serve your fellow man, not to steal, not to covet his wife, not to do all that. He said, all that stuff, just in this is what I have to do, this is the law, I can't do it, but I'll try my best, that mindset will cause that to be difficult. But through love, all of it filtered through love makes sense. All of it filtered. Why shouldn't I covet my neighbor's wife? She's good looking. I mean, what's the big deal? Filtered through love, it makes total sense. Why wouldn't I cheat on my time card? My boss has plenty of money. Filtered through love, it makes perfect sense why I wouldn't cheat on my time. Filtered through a mindset of I don't have enough and he has more than me, it makes sense to you to cheat. But filtered through the mindset of love, the elements of his way of doing things makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, or 13, excuse me. The Amplified Classic says it like this, if I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God, by God's love, for and in us, I am only a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all secrets, truths, and mysteries, and possess all knowledge... And if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, God's love in me, I'm nothing, a useless nobody. Even if I dole out all that I have 
to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. He said there's some things that we're looking at that aren't wrong. In fact, they're instruction of the Bible, but without love, they never work as they ought to. See, we can get a spiritual mindset, but not filtered through the mindset of love, creates an illusion of how the Spirit's working, not really how He's working. We can give to people, but without love, we create an illusion that we're charitable when we're really doing it for selfish reasons. And then we begin to wonder, why are things seeming so cockeyed? Because our mindsets, things get filtered through a mindset that's different than seeing the kingdom of God and what God's done for us. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, never boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful, vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of an evil done to it. It pays no attention of a suffered wrong. As we read that, <clears throat> I'll, just, I'll just say for myself, you know, you read some of that and you're like, are you kidding? Who can do that? Not taking account of a wrong done? I can forgive, but I won't forget. Which means, really, there's an accounting. Again, when we read this, I want you to be careful and cautious because I believe God has a transformation for us. It's going to allow us to reach people, conduct our life, our marriage, our, our church life, a number of things in so different of a manner, not just knowing this and reading this and filtering it, but allowing God to show us what it really is. That's what this verse is really about. It's not for a poetry at wedding. It's not really to sing. It's Paul saying, listen, you can speak with the tongues of men and of angels. We just talked about it. We just talked about tongues, interpretation of tongues, things of the Spirit, the activity, the gifts, the manifestations of the Spirit. We talked about prophecy. We talked about faith that will move mountains. We talked about that. We talk about generosity and how generous you were. He said, but without love... You have to understand it's all working in the wrong direction. So what is love? How do you get a mindset of love? I'm telling you what love is. And it's going to take a little bit of time to filter through all of this to get your mind set on what love really is. Because the love that you've experienced in the world will consistently deflect some of this true love. It will consistently deflect and try to protect self. This is just the way I am. Am. This is how I relate to things. I hold things for a while. I'm just sensitive. I'm a little touchy. Yes, I fret over a lot of things, but I still love.
Remember, breaking a fixed mindset, the last thing is take the challenge. There is joy, there is release, there is freedom in growth. These other mindsets not filtered through a mindset of love. Your marriage, if, you, if we can begin to set our mind on the kingdom first, his righteousness, his character is love, and filter what we're going through in marriage through that mindset, it'll start to change and cause us to grow. Our work relationships, our church relationships, usually we're filtering everything through that fix. This is who I am. This is how it makes me feel. This is what somebody did to me. Moving it through this mindset of love. Love does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when truth prevails. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes, its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Whew. Philippians 1.9. Paul prayed, he said, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment. In other words, if everything starts to come through the knowledge of the love of God, the mindset of the love of God, I will know things that before I could not know. And I will discern things that through selfishness I could not discern. And the reason he wants that is so that we might approve the things that are excellent. That we might be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. That we might be filled with all the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the praise and the glory of God the Father. God has tremendous, tremendous things in store for us. And we can hear the word and we can know the word and we can get excited about it. But he says, I want you to work on not just hearing it and allowing it to go through a mindset that deflects it and filters the power of the word all the way out as it goes through your mindset and your experiences, but to allow the pathway of your thinking to become disciplined, to see what that is. And when I think, I think, is it going through this way? Is it coming into obedience to the love of God? Is it coming into obedience to the word of God? And not just allow your mindset to say, no, and this is too much work, and I'm not perfect anyway, and so care. this is how I am. And settling for staying the way you are instead of breaking out and saying, you know what? This is really changing the way I see my life, how God will use me in outreach, and the people around me. Because when I get it in, I won't weaken. And the consideration of how I minister will always be with God and people in my mind. Hmm. I was thinking. I was thinking. What if? What if? I captured this mindset of 1 Corinthians and Philippians. 
what would it change for my life? And I was thinking, it changes everything. It changes everything. Father, we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Even when we were separated from you in trespass and sin. In order to satisfy your love for us, you sent Jesus. Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal like never before your love for each and every person. They might comprehend it, the fullness of it, apprehend it, lay hold of it like it's laid hold of them. That we experience the love of Christ that passes human knowledge. And in that we begin to see the characteristics of it. That we begin to realize it's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. That a yielding to you to develop a new mindset about it will cause us to grow and to flourish and produce that fruit of righteousness that is love in a way that we've not experienced before. In that it will cause us to go in a depth of relationship with you that's deeper. A depth of relationship with people that's deeper. An outreach to people that we don't yet know and haven't seen who don't know you, who are caught in darkness, struggling to see them through the eyes of love. It will cause us to be more effective in our outreach without timidity and without fear. But through love, give us a boldness to see how much you love them. Increase our influence, increase our outreach. Thank you so much for loving us. Holy Spirit, bring revelation, wisdom, and understanding to us. That we might see that you're working in us a process that you're not done with yet. Take the challenge to come up higher. Go deeper in relationship with you. That we might reach out farther than we ever have before. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, the altar workers will be up here to pray with you, to stand with you. Praise the Lord. You can stand up. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.